loving you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, and I'm joined today by Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, a deacon of the Diocese of Austin. He serves in our restorative justice ministry as a chaplain out in Gatesville and uh, serves all of our incarcerated women and men, uh, serves all of the corrections officers, all the staff out there. I am chaplain at Cedar Break Retreat Center, formerly in restorative justice ministry. And today we're reaching out to all of you who are incarcerated and all of our broadcast listeners on a very important topic that we want to spend some time with, uh, a topic of the day, human sexuality, to have a dialogue in charity. And today we want to unpack for you at least the start of Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination, Guidelines for Pastoral Care. This is a document of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and one of those uh, documents that is meant to be a framework for all of us to charitably enter into a conversation about the truth of human sexuality, but to do so with charity. So to begin on that note, I'd ask Deacon Ronnie to uh, start us off with an opening prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. In prayer to the Holy Family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, in you we contemplate the splendor of true love. To you we turn with trust. Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that our families too may be places of communion and prayer, authentic schools of the gospel, and small domestic churches. Holy Family of Nazareth, may families never again experience violence, rejection, and division. May all who have been hurt or scandalized find ready comfort and healing. Holy Family of Nazareth, make us once more mindful of the sacredness of the family and its beauty in God's plan. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, graciously hear our prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Ronnie. And again, we all know that this is a topic that can be very delicate for people. So again, for our listeners, I want to let you know that the content that we'll cover is from the Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination Guidelines for Pastoral Care. For our incarcerated women and men, this can be a particularly delicate subject because of the environment that they live in, a closed environment. Uh, with being in same gender realities by and large, and for them to know, for all of you that are listening, to know what the, the truth of our church's teaching is, but along with that truth, that our desire is to provide that truth in a pastoral way. And, and in part, what we mean by pastoral is charitable, with a good heart, not with an ugly heart with a desire to show people the way, the truth, and the life. And even though that may go up against what they currently believe, we can be steadfast in proclaiming that truth and help people make good decisions for themselves in this regard as has to do with their human sexuality. So again, this is ministry to persons with a homosexual inclination, 
Guidelines for Pastoral Care. And it starts a first section. There's two major sections to it, general principles that speak to the uh, specific teaching of the church in this uh, topic. And then it moves to a second section on pastoral guidelines in providing these truths. But let's go over the truths first. And there's uh, topic headings all the way through. The very first topic heading under general principles is respecting human dignity. The commission of the church to preach the good news to all people in every land points to the fundamental dignity possessed by each person as created by God. God has created every human person out of love and wishes to grant him or her eternal life in the communion of the Trinity. All people are created in the image and likeness of God and thus possess an innate human dignity that must be acknowledged and respected. That's a quote from the Catechism. And then it continues, In keeping with this conviction, the Church teaches that persons with a homosexual inclination must, quote, be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. That's also from the Catechism. Respect, compassion, and sensitivity. We recognize that these persons have been, and often continue to be, objects of scorn, hatred, and even violence in some sectors of our society. Sometimes this hatred is manifested clearly. Other times, it is masked and gives rise to more disguised forms of hatred. It is deplorable that homosexual persons have been and are the object of violent malice in speech or in action. Such treatment deserves condemnation from the church's pastors wherever it occurs. And that's a direct quote from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith on the pastoral care of homosexual persons. Now, our bishop's document continues— Those who would minister in the name of the church must in no way contribute to such injustice. They should prayerfully examine their own hearts in order to discern any thoughts or feelings that might stand in need of purification. Those who minister are also called to growth in holiness. In fact, the work of spreading the good news involves an ever-increasing love for those to whom one is ministering by calling them to the truth of Jesus Christ. And that's from Pope Paul VI in his apostolic exhortation on evangelization in the modern world. Deacon Ronnie will take us on next to the place of sexuality in God's plan. The phenomenon of homosexuality poses challenges that can only be met with the help of a clear understanding the place of sexuality within God's plan for humanity. In the beginning, God created human beings in, their own, in his own image, meaning that the complementary sexuality of man and woman is a gift from God and ought to be respected as such. Human sexuality is thus a good, part of that created gift which God saw as being very good when he created the human person in his image and likeness, and male and female, he created them. This is from the Pontifical Council for the Family, the Truth of Meaning and Human Sexuality. 
The complementarity of man and woman as male and female is inherent within God's creative design. Precisely because man and woman are different, yet complementarity. They come together in a union that is open to the possibility of new life. Jesus taught that from the beginning of creation, God made male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the purpose of sexual desire is to draw man and woman together in the bond of marriage, a bond that is directed towards two inseparable ends, the expression of marital love and the procreation and education of children. The spouse's union achieves the twofold end of marriage, the good of the spouses themselves and the transformation of life. And this is from the Catechism. There, this is the order of nature, an order whose source is ultimately the wisdom of God. To the extent that man and woman cooperate with the divine plan, by acting in accord with the order of nature, they not only bring a fulfillment of their own individual human natures, but also accomplishment of the will of God. The next section begins with homosexual acts cannot fulfill the natural ends of human sexuality. Before I go into that section, I want to repeat one of the lines at the end of what Deacon Ronnie was just expressing. The spouses, talking about in in marriage, the spouses' union achieves the twofold end of marriage, the good of the spouses, that's one, and the transmission of life. So that's going to be important, and you're going to hear that thread all the way through this document. What we're standing on as a Catholic faith and as the truth of our faith about human sexuality is that God intends it to be situated in this union of man and woman for the good of that union and for the transmission of human life. Therefore, and then we go into this next section, homosexual acts cannot fulfill the natural ends of human sexuality. And it states it this way, by its very nature, the sexual act finds its proper fulfillment in the marital bond. Any sexual act that takes place outside the bond of marriage does not fulfill the proper ends of human sexuality. Such an act is not directed toward the expression of marital love with an openness to new life. It is disordered in that it is not in accord with this twofold end and is thus morally wrong. Sexual pleasure is morally disordered when sought for itself, isolated from its procreative and unitive purposes. So you hear that being repeated, and it's going to keep going all the way through, that we're talking about what our human sexuality is ordered towards. So when we're talking about homosexual realities, there's not the only place where this disorder can occur. Uh, this can also occur when people are having sexual uh, experiences outside the married bond as heterosexuals. Uh, so uh, everybody is kind of on notice here that uh, the proper sense, the way God made the human person, that the sexual act is only to be found within the bond of marriage. And of course, as we all know, 
We are very far from that right now in our society. And it's not just in a homosexual community that this occurs, but in the heterosexual community as well. So then the, the document goes on. Because of both original sin and personal sin, moral disorder is all too common in our world. There are a variety of acts, such as adultery, fornication, masturbation, and contraception that violate the proper ends of human sexuality. Homosexual acts also violate the true purpose of sexuality. They are sexual acts that cannot be open to life, nor do they reflect the complementarity of man and woman that is an integral part of God's design for human sexuality. Consequently, the Catholic Church has consistently taught that homosexual acts are, quote, contrary to the natural law and under no circumstances can be approved. That's also from the Catechism and from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith Declaration on Certain Questions Concerning Sexual Ethics. And then it goes on, in support of this judgment, the Church points not only to the intrinsic order of creation— and I know we use some language in here that may not exactly be table talk language for, for folks out there. Intrinsic, uh, the best I could try and, and communicate that means it, it's just it's part of it. It's something that can't be separated from it, just like um, milk is white. Um, it, white is intrinsic to milk as we understand it. Well, in support of this judgment, the church points not only to the intrinsic order of creation, but also to what God has revealed in sacred scripture. In the book of Genesis, we learn that God created humanity as male and female, and that according to God's plan, a man and a woman come together, and the two of them become one body. Uh, they're citing Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 1, gets repeated again in Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 10, Ephesians chapter 5. Whenever homosexual acts are mentioned in the Old Testament, it is clear that they are disapproved of as contrary to the will of God. Genesis chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 18, and chapter 20. In the New Testament, St. Paul teaches that homosexual acts are not in keeping with our being created in God's image and so degrade and undermine our authentic dignity as human beings. He tells how homosexual practices can arise among people who erroneously worship the creature rather than the creator. And that's going to be another uh, strand that goes through this document as a theme, that the, the gravitation to homosexuality they're going to make a case is something of human origin, not of divine origin. And we're going to stand on that as a, as a truth of our faith. And then he quotes St. Paul from the first chapter of the letter to the Romans, Therefore, God handed them over to degrading passions. Their females exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the males likewise gave up natural relations with females and burned with lust for one another. Males did shameful things with males and thus received in their own persons the due penalty for their perversity. St. Paul listed homosexual practices among those things that are incompatible with the Christian life. So first he does that in Romans chapter, chapter 1, and then they also cite 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
And the next section Deacon Ronnie will take us into is that the homosexual inclination is not itself a sin. There's some confusion on this, so Deacon Ronnie's going to take us into clearing that up. While the church teaches that homosexual acts are immoral, she does distinguish between engaging in homosexual acts and having a homosexual inclination. While the former is always objectively sinful, the latter is not. To the extent that a homosexual tendency or or inclination is not subject of one's free will, one is not morally culpable for that tendency. Although one would be morally culpable if one were voluntarily to entertain homosexual temptations or to choose and act on them, simply having a tendency is not a sin. So I think that's a very important distinction for us to, to, to sit with, that temptations are going to be part of our daily walk. They're out there. And the question is uh, whether we let them go by or whether we're going to show attention to them. That's an act of our will. And we also draw more importantly on our sanctifying grace uh, that God supplies us to overcome those temptations. And as we move on further into the the document, what we're going to find is as the church accepts the reality of homosexual relationships, what she is going to put forward is there is another way. Even if I'm in that inclination, and as you just talked about with grace and will, and, and they, we get to unpack that here in a little bit. So consequently, the church does not teach that the experience of homosexual attraction is in itself sinful. The homosexual inclination is objectively disordered. For example, it is an inclination that predisposes ones toward that what is truly not good for a a human person. And this is, again, uh, we're sourcing from the catechism. Of course, heterosexual persons not uncommonly have disordered sexual inclinations as well. As we mentioned previously, it's not enough for a sexual inclination to be heterosexual for it to be properly ordered. For example, any tendency towards sexual pleasure that is not subordinated to the greater good of love and marriage is disordered and that it inclines a person towards a use of sexuality that does not accord with the divine plan for creation. And so we've changed that whole relation to, to, to more of a personal objective use of someone else versus an other-centered use of a love that you would have in a marital spousal relationship. Which, as the document has already said a couple of times, and it's going to keep saying, can only be found in the sacred bond of holy matrimony. So for all of us listening out there, and we get all riled up about homosexual activity, well, let's you know consider as well that what this is saying is equally disordered is when we go out and have casual sex with people on a Saturday night uh, because we you know, went to the the club or the bar and hooked up, as they say these days, and then went home with somebody. Every bit is disordered. It is not situated either within the bond of matrimony for the good of that union or procreation. So I think it's fair for us to kind of understand that and, and have us all be aware of what we're surrounded by in our culture and society today as such an embracing of what we understand to be a disordered use of human sexuality. There's an intrinsic disorder of what is directed towards that 
which is evil in all cases. There is also the accidental disorder of what is not properly ordered by right reason, which fails to attain the proper measure of virtue. And this is also uh, supported by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith on pastoral care for homosexual persons. It is critically important to understand that saying a person has a particular inclination that is disordered is not to say that the person as a whole is disordered. I think it's a very important part. because Nor does it mean that one has been rejected by God or the church. Sometimes the church is misrepresented or misinterpreted as teaching that persons with homosexual inclinations are objectively disordered, as if everything about them were disordered or rendered morally defective by this inclination. Rather, the disorder is in that particular inclination, which is not ordered toward the fulfillment of the natural ends of human sexuality. Because of this, acting in accord with such an inclination simply cannot contribute to the true good of the human person. Nevertheless, while the participant particular inclination to homosexual acts is disordered, the person retains his or her intrinsic human dignity and value. So that, that doesn't define who you are or who we are in that sense as, as a whole, but it certainly does bring light to the particular part of us that is broken and perhaps needs to be addressed or healed or looked at. Which can really be helpful for all of you who are living with folks that are manifesting not only the inclination to homosexuality, but the behavior of homosexuality that, uh, you know, here we are, and this is how we're describing what all of that means to us. Um, for us, it's, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us uh, as God gives us the occasion in, in concrete moments of our lives to express these truths of our faith, to do it without fear, uh, without a need to want to do violence to other people in word, thought, or deed, uh, to look down on people and belittle them uh, for these inclinations or these behaviors. But instead, this is an opportunity for evangelization. This is an opportunity for witnessing and for us to hold ourselves accountable for our own human sexuality and make sure that we're not talking out of both sides of our mouths. Why I point finger at someone with a homosexual inclination. If I'm off sleeping around with a bunch of people, then I'm every bit as disordered as, as someone who's practicing in, in, that, uh, in that manner of uh, human sexuality. And we use the model of, from the prayer that we open with in this session, which is the Holy Family and that most chaste life, the importance of that, that sense of, of that chaste uh, presence, especially in a community that is not practicing uh, those particular uh, ways of life that uh, bring greater life into a, a, a much fuller uh, and fulfills a fills a void, perhaps, that's, that only the Lord can su- supply. And furthermore, it's, it's not only sexual inclination that can be disordered within a human person. Other inclinations can likewise be disordered, such as those that lead to envy, malice, or greed. And we see that on display quite often. We are all damaged by the effects of sin. There's this collateral damage that sin has to all of us, which causes desires to become disordered. And simply possessing an inclination does not constitute a sin, at least to the extent that they are beyond one's control. 
Acting on such inclinations, however, is always wrong. Circumstances may affect the degree of culpability in individual cases, but to will homosexual acts is always wrong. In fact, circumstances may exist or may have existed in the past which would reduce or remove the culpability of the individual in a given instance or other circumstances may increase it. What is at all costs to be avoided is the unfounded and demeaning assumption that the sexual behavior of homosexual persons is always and totally compulsive and therefore inculpable. And this is from the Doctrination of the Faith on the Pastoral Care of the Homosexual Person. And many of our culture, cultures have difficulty understanding the Catholic moral teaching because they do not understand the morality has an objective basis. Some hold that moral norms are nothing more than guidelines for behavior that happen to be widely accepted by people of a particular culture at a particular time. Catholic tradition, however, holds that the basis of morality is found in the natural order established by the Creator, an order that is not destroyed but rather elevated by the transforming power of the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Good actions are in accord with that order. By acting in this way, persons fulfill their authentic humanity and in this constitutes their ultimate happiness. Immoral actions, actions that are not in accord with the natural order of things, are incapable of contributing to true human fulfillment and happiness. In fact, immoral actions are destructive of the human person because they degrade and undermine the human dignity given to us by God. When we go to our next episode, we will start with the topic heading that says, Therapy for Homosexual Inclinations? Question mark. It asks, is there therapy for homosexual inclinations? To conclude this first uh, installment of our series on this uh, document for the Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination, Guidelines for Pastoral Care. Uh, We'll close with a prayer and litany. Holy God, mighty God, benevolent creator and lover of all life, I praise you and I glorify you. Calm my mind and still my body. Bring me to a deep awareness, O my Father in heaven, of your presence to me right here, right now, above me, below me, behind me, before me, around me, beside me, within me, as I lovingly contemplate your goodness and as I humbly bring my petitions to you for the special intentions within my heart today. St. Jude, patron saint of perseverance, pray for us. Holy family of Nazareth, model for all families, guard our families. Jesus, son of man, truest lover of every soul, have mercy on every member of our families. Jesus, Son of God, teacher of humility, have mercy on us. Blessed Virgin Mary, Queen of families, pray for our families. Saint Joseph, patron saint of fathers, pray for the father of our families. Saint John Vianney, patron saint of priests, pray for holy and chaste priests. Sacred Heart of Jesus, fount of all life and holiness, have mercy on our families. St. Margaret Mary of Alcone, patron of those devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, pray for us. 
St. Michael the Archangel, our safeguard against the snares of the devil, protect our families. St. Augustine, restless until you found rest in God, pray for our restless children. St. Francis de Sales, teacher of the devout life, pray for our families. St. Monica, patron saint of mothers, pray for the mother of our families. St. Monica, mother of so many tears, pray for us. St. Andrew, who brought Peter to Jesus, pray for all who bring our children to Jesus. St. Monica, whose prayers for your son were answered, pray for our children. St. Ambrose, exemplary life companion to St. Augustine, pray for the companions of our children. St. John Bosco, patron saint of young people, pray for our children. St. Thomas Aquinas, brilliant doctor of the church, pray for for Holy Mother Church. St. Charles Luanga, defender of chastity, pray for our children. St. Margaret of Cartona, patron saint against sexual temptations, pray for our children. St. Toribio, defender of God's truth, forgotten in worldly customs, pray for our family. Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, who persevered through so much sorrow, pray for peace, peace within our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother, if you walk with me, brother, 